Hey, John Lim, this is episode 293. Uh, if you follow the podcast, you'll know that there was no episode last week. I was, in light of recent events, I was participating in podcast Blackout, and I was also uh, uh, participating in Blackout Tuesday and decided to really take a break from posting content and listening and absorbing and learning as much as I can. And originally, I had planned for a series of episodes uh, for June, and I'll probably get to that next week. I didn't want to just jump in today. I wanted to spend a couple of minutes just sharing some thoughts about recent events, and I wanted to acknowledge and mourn the loss of three individuals, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Ahmaud Arbery, and you know, I won't recap their individual stories. There's a lot out there, and most of you are probably already aware of it. But I have a platform, and I wanted to use it to lend my voice and to show my support for Black Lives Matter. And George, Breonna, and Ahmad, their lives mattered, and they should be here today. And I was just thinking about this. Friday was Breonna Taylor. She would have been, that's her, that was her birthday. She would have been 27. And I had read that, uh, I think she had posted or tweeted that uh, 2020, she had a lot of dreams. She had a lot of aspirations. And I'm sorry if this turns you off. If you came to this podcast expecting just a normal episode to kind of distract you from what's going on. And uh, I, I'm sorry, you're not going to get that today. So. You're welcome to stop listening, to unfollow me if this makes you uncomfortable, but it's time that we had uncomfortable discussions. And I encourage all of my friends who are listening to this, if you're content creators, if you have a social media platform, use it. Use it to have these discussions. Because otherwise, what's the point? I don't have a huge audience. But I have enough of one that I at least want to use the platform in the best way that I can, in the most constructive way I can. And today, I want to use it to acknowledge George, Breonna, and Ahmad, and so many others who have lost their lives in so many senseless killings. And this isn't political. Black Lives Matter is not political. I'm sorry if you disagree with that. Again, just stop listening and, you know, that's fine. Black Lives Matter is an acknowledgement about the systemic problems that black Americans have had and have faced on a daily basis, not only this year, but for decades and for over a century, for two centuries since the founding of this country. And I'm by no means an authoritative voice on this. And while I am a person of color, I'm Asian and uh, Korean American, I can't speak as someone who's personally experienced the level of racism that a black person faces in America. And unless you've experienced it for yourself, you'll never be able to fully understand what that is like, what it is like to face that kind of racism and discrimination on a regular basis. Most you can do as an ally is to learn, to listen, to understand, and to stand up against racism. But what I can share is a little bit of my own experience, being an Asian American, being a Korean American. I was born in this country. My parents immigrated, uh, and then I was born a few years later. And being Asian, you may have heard this phrase, you're kind of lumped into what's called the quote-unquote model, model minority. 
So what does that mean? Being a quote-unquote model minority comes with uh, certain assumptions, baggage, and yes, I will say it, it comes with some privileges too. And it's something that I've been more cognizant of. It's something that I've been more contemplating a lot more over the last few weeks. But uh, I'll share a couple of examples. So being Asian, uh, whenever I would walk into a classroom in college and later, especially in business school, where you take a lot of quantitative-based courses, the assumption I would I would hear from classmates and friends was, oh, you must be really good at math. You're going to blow the curve out of the water. The fact of the matter is, and I say this, and I've said this at uh, uh, speeches and presentations, uh, somewhat tongue-in-cheek is that, you know, that's kind of the assumption, but uh, actually I'm only average at math. Uh, it's something I have to work at. It doesn't necessarily come naturally. So that sometimes causes some laughs where it causes some confusion too. The other assumption, uh, I guess you could call that a positive assumption. I, I don't know. The flip side of that is that because I was in an MBA program where we had a lot of Asian students where English was their second language. So public speaking or presentations, which is another big part of business school, is not necessarily going to be their core strength. It's something that we all have to work on. But uh, public speaking is something that I've done a lot of in my career. And I've talked about this on prior podcast episodes. And whenever I would get up to do a speech or a presentation, sometimes I would get looks of shock and awe. That's the best way I could describe it. And people would say, wow, you were really good. You are so articulate. I didn't hear an accent or anything. Where do you come from? And I will admit, when I was growing up, I used to hear stuff like that. It just annoyed the hell out of me to hear some comments like that. Nowadays, it just kind of rolls off my back. But uh, you know what? That, that was the assumption. Those were some of the assumptions. That was some of the baggage that you have as a quote-unquote model minority. The privileges, let's talk about these. Not comfortable to talk about, but I think it is important to acknowledge and address it. Yes, being a model minority comes with some privileges. I can walk into a store and not get a suspicious eye from a security guard or someone working behind the counter, even if I'm dressed casually or I haven't shaved for a few days. Like many of you, I've had minor traffic infractions where I've been pulled over by the police. Not many. I'd say maybe I can count on one hand how many times I've been pulled over for a traffic violation. And of course, whenever I would see those flashing lights, I would get nervous uh, my heart would skip a beat, as is a natural reaction. But in those interactions, the only thing I ever had to worry about was whether or not I was going to get a ticket or a warning. And those are two of the privileges. And I say privileges in quotes. These should not be privileges. This is what every citizen has a right to expect at a minimum. But that is not the case. And while there are many good police officers out there, and I want to believe that the majority of them are decent individuals. I've worked with law enforcement agencies in the past, and I've met a lot of incredibly brave men and women who put their lives on the line every day and who act with integrity and honor and know the responsibility that they carry. We have too many instances, too many stories, too many headlines repeatedly of abusive cops who are recklessly and needlessly taking the lives of black men and women in this country. And we are long overdue for changes, 
for addressing the systemic racism that exists in so many of our institutions, particularly in law enforcement. Anyway, I am not the most knowledgeable voice on this. And there are many more content creators who devote entire series, literature, podcasts, videos to topics of race and culture. I encourage you to seek those out, to listen to those, to inform yourself and educate yourself. What I'd like to do is I'd like to close by sharing a couple of um, resources that have been really helpful for me. This is certainly not a comprehensive list. I have many more, and I'll try to share those out. I've been sharing some of these out on social media if you want to learn more. But uh, first, I want to give a shout out to two, uh, two mentors, two professors who were very formative in building my education and helping awaken and build awareness on issues of race from an early age. One was uh, Dr. Robert Engs, uh, who was one of the most brilliant history professors I've ever uh, studied under. Uh, he uh, passed away, unfortunately, in 2013, uh, as I recently learned. But he was just a giant in the field. And just I learned so much about American history from him, specifically from the point of view of uh, the African-American experience from the pre-Civil War era through Reconstruction, which was his specialty, learning about uh, the the political constructs, the legal constructs, but also the individual experiences of institutionalized racism and slavery, and then Reconstruction as America went into the Jim Crow era. So just an incredible professor and and one that I think about often. He was really very formative for me in my undergraduate education. The other professor, who I had in law school, who in many ways built off of the foundation that I learned from Professor Engs was Tony Cook at Georgetown Law. I took two courses with him. One was civil rights law, and I encourage you, whether you're a lawyer, a law student, or not, if you have a chance, do take a course or a lecture or seminar on civil rights. Learn about the foundations that so many pioneers and so many innovators fought for in the 1960s to establish and pass civil rights legislation, and you will get so much out of it. The other course I took with uh, Professor Cook was critical race theory. It was during my, I believe it was my last semester of law school. It was one of the best courses I I took. It's one of the few that I remember from law school, and it was unlike any law school class I'd ever taken. Uh, Whereas in a lot of law schools, there's a very traditional doctrinal way of learning through case law. This was a seminar class. It was small. I think it was maybe 12 to 15 people. We did read cases, but we had a lot of discussion. We talked about issues related to race, culture, identity. We also read some incredible books, including Beloved by Toni Morrison and uh, Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison, which I had read previously. And to be able to discuss those in the context of a, a legal class that went beyond that into our institutions, into culture and society was really, again, one of the most uh, memorable and impactful classes I've ever taken. So I just wanted to take a a minute to acknowledge uh, both Dr. Angs and Professor Cook. And I've had many other teachers throughout my education, starting in as young as grade school, uh, that I don't have time to acknowledge, but throughout my college years, but in particular, 
Dr. Engs and Professor Cook are two that I've been thinking about a lot. I'd like to close by sharing a couple of resources. I've uh, posted some of these on social media, and these are just uh, books, uh, documentaries, movies, other media that I've been um, that I've read over the past couple of years, or that I've watched over the years that uh, I that have come to mind over the last uh, couple of weeks. In terms of books, there are two that I read last year that I uh, highly recommend. One is Unexampled Courage, The Blinding of Sergeant Isaac Woodard by Richard Gurgle. It's the story of a decorated World War II veteran, uh, Isaac Woodard. He came home and was on a bus traveling through South Carolina where he was detained by, I believe it was a sheriff or local police officer who brutally beat him, uh, causing him to go blind, and how that created a ripple effect that sparked a significant part of the civil rights movement, including figures such as Harry Truman but uh, the and Wade is Waring, who was a federal judge. He was a segregationist, but who had a real change of heart sparked in large part because of the Isaac Woodard case and then became a champion and an ally for civil rights. It's an incredible story. Both stories are paralleled in this book. So from a historical perspective, but also from a legal perspective, and if you really want to understand what it means to be an ally, to to be an anti-racist ally, which isn't always easy, especially when there's so many forces against you, I highly recommend this book. The other book I recommend is the uh, uh, a book about Martin Luther King Jr. called The Last Interview. And uh, it's basically transcripts of interviews and a couple of speeches. Uh, it's a short book. It's a pretty quick read, uh, focusing on the period uh, following the I Have a Dream speech. And uh, what's great about it is that you get the full context and you really get to see the nuances and the complexities of the issues that Dr. King was wrestling with as the civil rights movement became more turbulent and more complex. And in today, we often see Dr. King quoted in sound bites and memes, and that's fine, but it's really that much more meaningful if you're able to read the full context and the full transcripts of conversations and speeches. So I highly recommend that. In terms of movies, I will say that uh, the original Roots, the miniseries and the sequel, uh, the Roots of the Next Generation, I watched it when I was a teenager. I was home. I remember I was in high school and I was homesick for a week. I think I had the flu or something. And the History Channel was playing Roots. And I was too young to watch it when it first came out. But I was absolutely mesmerized. It is the uh, basically the account of Alex Haley, who was the author, tracing his family roots back to uh, his distant ancestor uh, who was brought over as a slave. And then history you see American history through the eyes of one family lineage throughout the generations, and it is painful, it is visceral, it is also one of the most inspiring works I've ever read. Uh, and uh, in terms of the miniseries and the book, I actually read the book a couple of years ago, but the miniseries is absolutely fantastic. It was recently remade. Uh, I haven't seen the remake, but I've also heard that it's quite good. Uh Movies, I recommend, if you haven't seen it, Do the Right Thing by Spike Lee. I think it came out in 1988 or 89, so over 30 years ago. But if you watch it, it could have easily been made this year. Uh, It is current, it is relevant, uh, and 
it, unfortunately, because of the times that we're in, it's still timely. Uh, I mean, this is a movie that was made over 30 years ago, but it addresses so much of what we're facing now. Uh, Spike Lee is also known for directing Malcolm X, which I've seen as well. I'll tell a fun story about that. When I was in high school, I had the honor of going to a a screening of it with a group of fellow high school students. And uh, we were interviewed by the Baltimore Sun, and I actually got a, a soundbite or a quote and my goofy headshot in an article for The Sun about Malcolm X. And uh, it, incidentally, that was based off of the biography uh, as told to Alex Haley, who wrote Roots, fr- uh, during his conversations and interviews with Malcolm X. So uh, I recommend that as well. But do the right thing. Many consider that to be Spike Lee's definitive work. In terms of documentaries, uh, one that I watched last year, which I highly recommend, is uh, I Am Not Your Negro. Uh, detailing the work of James Baldwin, who was one of the most prolific thought leaders and writers on civil rights during the 1960s. Uh, He's written a number of books. I actually just put two of them on reserve. There's a waiting list, not surprisingly, for them. But the documentary is now playing on Amazon Prime. Uh, So if you have Amazon Prime, you can watch it there. Another documentary... uh, which I also highly recommend. It came out during the mid-90s. It's called Hoop Dreams. And it is a three-hour-plus documentary, but if you watch it, you will get so absorbed in it that the time will just fly. And it's about two inner-city black teenagers who get scholarships to play for a private high school uh, because of their skills and talents in basketball. And it's about their journey to become NBA superstars. So on the surface, it sounds like it's a basketball documentary, but it is much more than that. You get to see the lives of these teenagers as they unfold, the struggles that they face dealing with the bureaucracy of a private school system, but also their family lives. And that, I think, is for me, at least, was one of the biggest highlights of the documentary was seeing their family lives in Chicago. And I also recommend as a companion to the documentary, do read the late film critic Roger Ebert. He wrote a review of it, which I'll have linked in the write-up. It is one of the best movie reviews I've ever read. You can read the review before you watch the documentary or you can read it afterwards, but uh, it's more than just a movie review. It's really a a critical thought piece. It's an expose really articulating beautifully the nuances and the issues that Hoop Dreams addresses, including race, class, and so much more. Uh, And I highly recommend it. It's an article. It's a review that uh, I actually revisit every now and then, both as uh, a always to remind me of the different issues that Hoop Dreams focuses and documents, but also just as an example of great writing. So those are just some resources, and uh, I just wanted to share a few thoughts today. Um, If you want to visit the write-up, it's at bemovingforward.com. I have links to all the resources. I'm not using affiliate links. I'm not looking to profit off of this in any way. I just wanted to share these resources. Many of these you can find available through your library, or if you have streaming subscriptions such as uh, the um, James Baldwin documentary, that's on Amazon Prime. So you'll be able to find those everywhere. And I hope that everyone will use their voice and their platforms and their social media channels to be an ally, to be an anti-racist ally, because we need to unify around this. I, I remember 
right after 9-11, the country came together and we were unified and we looked beyond our political differences, our political labels. And I think we need to do that now. It's time that we do that now. We cannot stay silent about this. We need to use our voices. Also, be safe. Uh, We're still in a pandemic, and uh, I'm really inspired to see so many of my friends who are using their voices, who are speaking out against racism, and we need to continue. All right, be safe, everyone, and thank you very much. I'll be back next week.